Welcome to the Gospel Gazing Podcast. My name is Wilson Van Hooser, and I'm really excited today to be joined with John Kwasney. Uh, John is uh, he's a man who wears many different hats, um, ruling elder, father, husband, uh, um, discipler, counselor, seminary professor, uh, and maybe a sad LSU fan on this Monday. Uh, um, <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're really excited to have John on the podcast. John's going to be talking to us about uh, what's called fivefold intimacy in marriage, and um, he'll explain that in just a second. Um, John and I used to work together back in the Jackson, Mississippi area, where he still is. And uh, even since then, John, your title has changed uh, since I left. Right? What? What? Uh, what, what are you considered now? <laughs> Well, thanks for having me, Wilson, first of all. Uh, yeah, my current title of the ever-changing titles over the years, uh, Executive Ministries Director. I'm, ex- I'm basically the executive pastor here at Pear Orchard Presbyterian Church without the pastor part, so just everything else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how long have you been a ruling elder at uh, POPC? I'm going on now 16 years. I've been here yeah. 18 years, so I've been uh, yeah. for 16 of those. And then before coming to uh, the Jackson, Mississippi area, where were y'all? Uh, well, I'll rewind back to where I started in ministry, which was in uh, after graduating in 1990 with my master's in counseling. We moved to uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, where my wife is from. And we were at a PCA church there as just members while I was, uh, well, both of us were biblical counselors in a private practice called New Hope Christian Counseling Center for five years. And then back in uh, 95, went on staff uh, as director of uh, basically at Christian education and counseling uh, at Plains Presbyterian Church in Zachary, Louisiana, right outside of Baton Rouge. And then, yeah, came here in 2005 doing a lot of the same things. And your undergrad was in a place that's pretty close to here. Uh, uh, you, yeah. Where'd you, where'd you get your undergrad? I try not to disclose that to, <laughs> to people. Uh, I, I graduated from Oral Roberts University, uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, not too yeah, far man. from Stillwater. So I've uh, made many trips over to Stillwater. I loved being in Tulsa, that's for sure. And yeah. uh, uh, always interesting things happen in that university. But I did. I am thankful for uh, a, really a great Christian education there yeah. uh, many years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got it. We got it on recording, so you can't escape it. Uh, <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> um. So uh, for for our people to know, uh, John and I worked together for four and a half years. And uh, while I was the director of youth ministry uh, at Pear Orchard Presbyterian, uh, we, oh goodness, I mean, I think I almost popped into your office like almost every day, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> multiple times a day uh, for, for, for you to counsel me, for us to talk about ministry uh, or to just rant about, you know, whatever was happening the previous Saturday for college football, um, had several of your kids for youth ministry and, right. uh, y'all are almost empty nesters. Yeah. Well, we only have one left at home, little, uh, Andrew, the other, uh, seven are out there and gone. So we're yeah. glad. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're excited to have you on here and, uh, we are going to be talking about, uh, some of your own work. Uh, that you've done on uh, in marriage counseling. And uh, I guess a while back you, you wrote a booklet that's based on a previous podcast episode that you did on your podcast um, called Fivefold Intimacy. Um, but even then, actually, just before we get into what that is, if we wanted to listen to more of uh, your, your, your teaching and podcast, things like that, where could we go to find those? Uh, yeah, my podcast is Biblical Counseling Today. Uh, that's just look it up on your favorite podcast app. Pretty easy, easy to find. But uh, we got uh, 10 seasons up there. Uh, so plenty of episodes on various things, individual, marital, parenting issues, other topics. So, so yeah, they're available for your listeners. Yeah, awesome. All right, well, John, tell us what is fivefold intimacy? 
Well, I, you know, when I was uh, starting early in my counseling uh, practice, just noticed that so many people, when you ask them the question, uh, when you ask couples the question, how is your uh, intimacy in your marriage? They immediately just go to their sexual life, their physical mm. life and start talking about yeah. that, which which is fine. But until you think it's so much more than that, uh, because just the word itself, intimacy is simply means uh, marked by closeness, right? Mm. We can have uh, we're supposed to have intimacy with God, or we we can be intimate with other people. Uh, so it's not primarily a, a, a sexual thing, you know. In Scripture, it's primarily a, a knowing thing how we how we know another person so deeply and so deeply connected with them. Uh, so you know, when I started thinking about and reading about all the different areas of of intimacy, it just kind of came down to it's more than just physical. That's one piece of it, but there's four other parts to it too. So that's where it kind of came up with fivefold intimacy. Yeah. Why is uh, why is it important to have a fuller definition? You, you already kind of mentioned it, but can you expand on that? Why it's important to have a fuller definition of what intimacy is? Sure, and I, you know, been counseling 33 years with couples, but I think it's even getting harder and harder uh, for people to really, and Christians included, to really understand God's design for marriage. Um, you know, it's it's supposed to be, again, uh, marked by closeness of heart, soul, mind, not just body. And the world wants to just preach body closeness, right? Just being connected yeah, that's good. sexually and physically. But even Christians you know, think they're intimate with a person just because uh, they're physically uh, connected to them. And and it's just so much deeper than that because it's mm. so closely connected to our intimacy with God, with our intimacy with Christ and, and how there is the spiritual component as well as the mental, emotional, physical uh, component as well that really gives depth and breadth and, you know, kind of gospel meaning to marriage and sets it apart from non-Christian marriage. Yeah. And we'll, we'll hit on this more fully later, but uh, I, I think already what you're saying that really speaks to uh, dating relationships where uh, often, yeah, when we have too simplistic of an idea of what it means to be close with someone, what it means to be intimate, we only think about sex. And so it seems like, yeah, that, that, that can kind of uh, catechize us and uh, young couples into thinking, well, if I'm going to be close with someone, then I might as well have sex. Right. That's right. And, and thinking that's what, you know, makes us a, a couple, which mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's so much more. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so what are these different areas? Uh, what are the five different areas of intimacy? All right. Well, I like to, uh, picture the five-fold intimacy as fingers on a hand. And easiest illustration because, you know, your fingers are connected to each other by your hand. And all five are essential. Um, I know people that have had fingers cut off and it's not it's not yeah. <laughs> good. Uh, it's hard to do things uh, with uh, less than five. And so God's created mm. order with a hand. It really works for intimacy. And so the five parts, if you start with your thumb, uh, I start with spiritual intimacy. And spiritual intimacy is what it sounds like. It's it's knowing each other in relationship to our relationship with Christ. Uh, it is uh, growing together spiritually. It's being connected to each other spiritually. Uh, the second one I put in order uh, is mental emotion, uh, mental, sorry, intimacy. Mental intimacy is how we're connected uh, cognitively, mentally, rationally, uh, a shared mind, a shared thinking, uh, thinking together well. Uh, the third one is emotional intimacy. It's our hearts connected. It's It's not just our heads connected, but it's our hearts connected, sharing our emotional lives together. Uh, fourth is recreational intimacy, uh, that one maybe we do think more of in dating mm. than we do later in marriage. It's, yeah. it's 
How much do we play together, do activities together, work together, have a social life together? Uh, That's recreational intimacy. And then finally, we put uh, physical and sexual intimacy at the last one because it is important. That is what it sounds like. Uh, But it's more than just having sex. Uh, It's being close affectionately. It's... uh, it's our human need for touch and to be one flesh with each other. And so, you know, spell them all out. You got spiritual, mental, emotional, relational, mm-hmm. and uh, physical intimacy. Yeah. One of the things I know I've heard you say uh, before, I believe it was in, in some of our counseling classes, but then also just other times in ministry, how at times marriages can function as if it's basically just roommates who share finances and sex. Right. Right. How, how does, you know, how does this new thinking of fivefold intimacy actually uh, really rebuke that, but then also transform those types of relationships? Cause it, it can certainly be uh, okay. We share finances and we talk about, uh, the kids schedule. And then, uh, oh yeah, at some point, uh, I guess we're married to each other. So we'll have sex, but then that's, that can kind of be a rhythm for a while. And then you look up and you say, why don't we feel close? So how, how does this change the way we think? Yeah. Sadly, I see a whole lot of couples, um, that have just their marriages degenerated and maybe even from the start, just been a roommate arrangement where they get along, um, but they're not very connected. And as I always say, you know, I, I had four roommates in college and we were, we got along, but we didn't do things together. We didn't hang yeah, out together. Yeah. We, didn't, we didn't, uh, share life together mm-hmm. and couples who act that way, um, that they're only functionally a couple, um, miss out on the richness of, of truly being one flesh. They don't have an intimate marriage which is what God has created us for. God has created us to know another person at such a level um, that, that uh, humanly speaking, <laughs> is the best we're going to have in this life. You know, And too many people live this uh, Christian life, live life as, as orphans in this world, and even orphans in their marriage. They're just yeah. independent, separate uh, I, I used to tell couples that that were struggling in this area, and I look at either the husband or the wife and say, you're working really hard to try to be single and married at the same time. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and if you don't have all five parts of intimacy working, you find a way to kind of live a single life, an independent life, a separate life, even while you're married, uh, yeah. married which is an oxymoron. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really good. Um, now, okay, these these different areas of intimacy, uh, I've heard you say before that they rise and fall together. Um, yeah. How Can you explain what you mean by that? But then also, too, can you provide some examples? Oh, yeah, I can give you plenty of examples. Um, sadly, even couples that I was just talking to this last couple of weeks. Uh, but as far as rising and fall, they're all connected because, you know, we, um, you know, we come into marriage oftentimes doing pretty well with the recreational side of things, um, doing a lot of things together until we get in marriage. And then we're honest with each other and say, you know, I don't really like doing any of those things. I only did them you yeah. know, to kind of woo, woo you into marriage and make you, you know, because I wanted to yeah. hang out with you, and that's what you were doing. Um, and so when we get uh, when we get a bigger picture, we start to realize, oh, maybe we're not uh, really physically connected because we're not doing a whole lot of things together. Maybe we we're not doing a lot of things together recreationally because we don't even share the same interests. We don't yeah. share the same mind. So even when we're doing some things, we're not talking or, you know, couples who go out, go out to eat and they have nothing to say because they're not, they're not mentally intimate or couples that get very uncomfortable about sharing their heart's desires and their dreams and their, uh, their wants and, and their life. They, they, 
they don't they they almost can share that better with a friend instead of their spouse. They're mm, that's good. lacking that emotional intimacy. And then on top of all that, if you're in a Christian marriage and you're not praying together, going to church together, worshiping together, talking about the sermon together, doing a Bible study together, having discipleship conversations together, uh, you're missing uh, so much of what it means to be married that that impacts everything else. And so to uh, there's not one or yeah. two that can be left out without yeah. all of them suffering uh, to some level. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then kind of, I, I wrote down this question to come back to eventually. And I think it's a good time. Uh, I talk with a lot of um, uh, couples who are getting ready for marriage, do a lot of premarital counseling, or even the couples who know that they're going to get engaged soon, or even young couples. Uh, and I'm sure you probably still see this no matter how old people are, but I feel like a very common question is, well, how do we grow spiritually? Yeah. Um, Later, later this week, I'll have on uh, Stephen Spinnenweber from Jacksonville, Florida, and we're going to talk about the the role, the means of grace in the life of the church and Christian. But oftentimes, and I'd love to hear what it's like for you and your counseling, but then also how, how we help people. But oftentimes, when people think, how do we grow as a marriage spiritually, they only think about the praying together, reading the Bible together, just them too. And that that's true, but that's not the only thing. So why is it important for a healthy marriage, for a couple to be regularly uh, attending to the means of grace, especially in the covenant community? Yeah, and I'll, I'll be uh, transparent on this. I would say the probably the place my wife and I, who've been married 33 years this past uh, Thursday, um, we struggle the most at, um, and it's probably mostly my fault as spiritual head, is taking the time out to pray and, and read the Bible together. And yet we pray all the time with people. We pray with yeah. our kids. We read the Bible separately. And so, yeah, I think it oversimplifies the spiritual intimacy to think, well, we just have to pray and read the Bible together. Yeah, yeah. So much bigger than that. And it really, again, is worshiping together. Mm. Uh, it's every Sunday making the Lord's Day a priority as a, as a marriage. And, you know, we tend to do maybe better when we have kids, but, you know, as a family, uh, but as a marriage that we're so committed to be in worship, mm. uh, to to uh, be in Sunday school, to be in Bible study together, because then we have so much to talk about, and not just yeah. a not just a critique of your of your sermon, Wilson. After yeah, yeah. <laughs> preach, but but a true conversation of like, wow, yes. you know what application that has for us individually and for our marriage and for our family life. Those are priceless times of connection. That so many couples don't have because they're not yeah. regular in church, because they're not studying and reading the same things together or talking about what they've learned from scripture. Yeah. Uh, and so I like to talk much more about spiritual intimacy as hinges on discipleship conversations that we're just yeah. having these discussions about God's word rooted in our shared worship together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I remember maybe it was about two or three years ago, I was convicted because, um, you know, I, I would preach and often my wife is there. And after the sermon, uh, I'm often asking her like, how was that? And, uh, but then it dawned on me and I was like, man, I actually, for her own walk, I need to actually, you know, not kind of take the spotlight off of what is God teaching her in that moment. I don't need to take that, take it off of that to be like, Oh, give me some feedback. How did I do? Right. Um, it, it, it's kind of weird. Cause like, as, as you and I preach, as we preach, we're sitting under our own preaching. So in That's a lot right. of ways, e even when we're in ministry, we still, I, I learned, I was like, man, I still need to talk with my wife, even though I preached that sermon, but I still need to talk with her about, what the Lord's showing us in there. And, and that, that was a, that was really convicting for me. Cause I realized, Oh man, I'm actually hindering her from growing in that. Um, 
and, yeah. and missing missing the opportunity to grow together. Um, it's those conversations uh, and discussions that we can have that connect us together. Let me let me ask you a question. This is actually just thinking out loud. Do you think that there could be any benefit of? I, I know some churches will do this where where they'll have. Uh, like sermon discussion questions uh, for their family, like for family worship, things like that. I, I know sometimes I can, you know, it can be maybe a little too wooden. Do you think there's benefit to that? Even for like for married couples, even because maybe I can imagine someone saying like, well, h- how do I even start the conversation? Is there any benefit to that? Or what What would you oh, I, suggest? I think that's a great, re- a great resource that churches do. I, I've, I've thought, um, you know, if our pastors are listening, that I would yeah. love for our pastors to to do that. It's an in, it's an extra step, you know, an extra time constraint for pastors. But the benefit, um, I don't think it's wooden at all. I think the problem often is even in our good marriage relationships, we have we have uh, we struggle with asking the right questions. Yeah. Um, so this, you know, without that tool, you're right. This the the conversation could just be, "How was the sermon? How'd you? Did you like yes. it? Yes, I liked it. It was good, and it's all of 15 seconds. Yeah. Um, but giving you jump off points and application questions, even you know, four or five of them, um, you know, for the couple, uh, I think would be awesome. Well, uh, let 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 the record show that uh, I, wrote, <laughs> I wrote down that note. Um, so if you see in the bulletin this week. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that it just kind of dawned on me of like, oh yeah, I guess we like, that is a big thing. And and I know, uh, you and I are both fans of the Puritans and how they would often, uh, teach their people to, you know, really how to listen to sermons and how to discuss the sermon with their family and, um, things like that. Okay. So, right. so go and, and before you go, before you yeah, jump, yeah. uh, a little bit of, 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 uh, advertising uh my book that just came out and it's not really a book it's a resource called road talk um, yes yes it's, uh, it was built on that same foundation it's simply uh 99 entries of scripture with five questions that you talk with mm. your kids while you're driving along the road and i've been doing that with my 13 year old on the way to school and it's building spiritual intimacy of father and son. It's yeah. building closeness just, just because, again, if I'm in the car driving down the road and I'm supposed to follow a Deuteronomy 6 model that says, hey, talk about God's law while you walk down the road. And you're like, well, what yes. do I talk about today? Yeah, I don't have anything to talk about if I don't have a scripture to jump off from. So all that to say as a comparison, similar thing to what you're talking about uh, for marriage as well. Well, let's get into that because um, once again, I've heard you say over the years that I've found immensely helpful that the number one ingredient in healthy parenting is a healthy marriage. Hmm. What is the benefits of children seeing their parents grow together spiritually? Yeah, well, I'm going to expand that to all five areas. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah, that'd be great. Starting with spiritually, no doubt, um, you know, if if you step back for a moment and think in your own growing up, the impact your parents' marriage had on you, it's profound. And we have to own it as couples that we are the biggest picture mm. of a relationship with Christ, right? Christ, you know, the marriage shows forth Christ and his church. Yeah. And we either give a our kids a good representation or a poor representation of that relationship. And one of the places we start is by showing our couples, I mean showing our kids that we're worshiping together as a couple. That you know, we're praying together, we're reading God's word together, we're talking about God's word around the house. That spiritual closeness, you know, think think of the opposite. What is it like to grow up in a home where maybe uh, the wife is strong spiritually and the husband isn't, uh, or the, and the husband doesn't even go to church, or even though yeah. he, he claims to be a Christian? That's a very confusing message yeah. to our kids. But when they see couples, uh, when they see mom and dad uh, growing in grace 
talking about spiritual things. Uh, it changes the way they respond to discipline and to education. But, you know, to build off of that into all five areas, um, <clears throat> you know, they need to see uh, a mom and dad who do things together, yeah. uh, who don't just, when kids come along, you know, spend all of their hours sitting at a ball game uh, or mm-hmm. carting their kids around or doing everything about kids' activities. Uh, my wife has always said, Marty's always said, did you see how our girl's eyes lit up when, when you asked me out on a date and we, we went out Thursday oh, night? Oh, that's awesome. Were, yeah. Yeah. They were so excited. They're like, you guys are going out. Um, kids yeah. get excited about <laughs> seeing uh, their, their mom and dad, you know, loving each other. Yeah. Uh, I oftentimes use a negative uh, experience in my life, which was my mom and dad did not have a good marriage and they ended up in divorce twice. They divorced mm. each other, remarried each other and divorced each other again. Um, but through all those years, I remember something that stood out is when my dad would come home from uh, work every day, he would go right to us kids and start hugging on us, talking to us, loving on us. And there's all I could picture is my mom standing off at the corner yet to be greeted, even not, not even kissed and hugged. And, and that changed the way I entered my home saying, if I'm going to have an intimate marriage, the first thing I'm going to do when I walk in the door is make a beeline for Marty and greet her, hug her, kiss her, ask her how her day was before I even talk to my Mm. kids. And, and that might seem little, but it's a message to the kids that says, this is the most important relationship uh, other than Christ in my life. And being connected to each other is first. Then I can reconnect with you guys later. It sends a message. That's good. That is really, really good. Yeah. How how do you, when you, when you are thinking about uh, how, you know, one of the, one of the blessings of marriage is that, uh, that love overflows into Lord willing, being able to have kids. So kids mm-hmm. enter into that family life. How, how do you go about making sure that you're not only uh, pursuing intimacy with your spouse in the presence of your children, but then also making sure like, Hey, there are the times where like, we do need to go on dates or, uh, we just, just, we need to go on a walk or, right. uh, something, you know, how, how do you make sure? Cause I, there's certainly the balance of like, it's good for the kids to see that. And then also it, it with our kids around, uh, around us, it brings out a side of us that we actually grow together and see each other. So how do you make sure you, um, you do both, uh, yeah. and not just one? Well, there's so many, so many illustrations I could give you of this, but I, I do, it, it does make me think of an example of a couple um, who I'm counseling that ha- have, you know, two kids, two boys. And every time the husband says, hey, let's the two of us just to go do something, even a, like you were saying, a walk. They're like, well, let's bring the boys along, too, because she, her emphasis has always been like, we need to do things as a family. Yeah. And yet yeah. he's always saying, when do we do things as a couple? And we have to do both. Yeah. But I will say that a, a lot of people default into family time much more than couple time. Mm. And so as a couple, I just see that people are couples are not very good at guarding their time at yeah. saying, you know, guess what, kids, after this hour, we don't want to see you anymore because this is mom and dad time. <laughs> you know, uh, that even I I I talk to uh husbands and wives about like I used as an illustration with my parents, that first, you know, 30 minutes to an hour when you enter back in, are are you um are you reconnecting? Uh I mm. I I use the illustration that growing up, um I as my kids were growing up, when I came home after I greeted my wife and then greeted them, I said, you know, uh we're going upstairs because uh mom's going to help me change clothes. And I think to this day, they think I needed help changing clothes. It, <laughs> it was it was not that I needed help. It was, we used that excuse for 15, 20 minutes of conversation yeah. while I was 
changing clothes. So I was getting out of my work clothes and just getting relaxed and yeah. came down the stairs and we could re-engage. But yeah. it, sends, yeah. it sends a message that this is our time. Mm. And that's hard to do when you have little kids and they're hanging all over you or, or yeah. uh, you know, lots of activities and all that. But you have to guard part of fivefold intimacy is saying we've got to guard our time together. We've yeah. got to. Have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that was just a, a long answer to say that that Marty is your stylist. Uh, yeah, she definitely so. is. She's going <laughs> to let me know what I can wear. Even <laughs> yeah, uh, Hey, look, I have, I have to clarify everything with Grace because uh, I will put something on. She'll look at me and just shake her head and say, don't do that. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's being a good helpmate. Yeah. That's sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Thinking about uh, at, at, at t- there, there's different seasons of life where um, maybe both spouses can have uh, jobs. E- even at times, um, I, I know that at one season, my older brother, uh, his wife was a nurse and she had the night shift, and mm. you know, he mm. he had kind of the normal uh, kind of nine to five hours. There's also the times where um, there's pregnancy or there's postpartum and, um, there, there, there are numerous of these different seasons. So how do we go about having realistic expectations while at the same time, making sure these are only seasons of life, not this is going to be the way it is. Yeah. And we always have to be careful with that because, um, as humans, we're all about uh, habit formation, right? We, we yeah. Everything we do is is habit-based, it seems, and we build good habits and bad habits. And so in your marriage, we can build bad habits during those seasons of just not pursuing each other, not committing time to each other, not having time to talk and hang out and do things or go on dates or, or even have extra time in the evening for physical intimacy. We get out of the routine and we have to purposely, and I think this falls squarely on our shoulders as spiritual heads of saying, okay, we we need to move back towards each other. We, yeah. we this has to be temporary during, I always say during those periods of time, you have to be very creative as well, because you can't go from feast to famine. You can't go to zero That's good. time yeah. and connection. You have to be more creative. My wife's traveling a lot more than, than she ever has with Johnny and friends. And so now we realize we need to talk longer on the phone. We need yeah. to check with each other more, not just say, hey, you're gone for three days on a road trip and I'll see you when you get back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. intimacy is something that is every day. It's not once in a while. So, um, yeah, those temporary times. um, don't learn bad habits uh, yeah. get back to good habits, be creative while you can. Um, and you know, the, you know, when, when we're talking about this whole subject of intimacy anyway, it's all rooted in our personal intimacy with Christ and yes. our obedience to Christ and saying we have to pursue uh, intimacy is a pursuit. It's not something you passively enter. It's not something that just happens. And so yeah. We have to uh, chase each other down. We have yeah. to, and it has to come from a desire like I just want to be with you uh, mm. in all ways uh, that I can when I can. How do you make sure you find times to regularly evaluate and and to do that? Uh, <clears throat> there are obviously the times where it's good to do that together. That way, you're thinking out loud, which is intimacy. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I yeah, I, I think, you know, for us, we we were always better than we were the last few years. But for a long time in a marriage, we were really good at the end and the beginning of the year, just kind of like New Year's resolutions. Yeah, like, let's, yeah, yeah. Let's either do a reset or let's see how are we doing on our our time together in conversation and mental and emotional intimacy? Are we doing enough recreation? Are we really close uh, physically? We do a little uh, scale of one to ten on these five areas, and let's let's do a checkup. So evaluation, like in anything in life, is something we don't necessarily want to do, but we need to do because it helps keep us accountable uh, to each other. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I would imagine as, as well things like uh, 
there there can be maybe a, a marriage conference or anniversary getaway or sure. um, kind of moments like that. But I feel like that that kind of regular without overthinking it, because then you can get into this law based <laughs> thing of like, oh, yeah. we need to be doing more. But certainly the times of self-examination. Yeah. And, and using good uh, marriage retreat things or read a book together. There's so many things available. Yeah. Uh, so many of my couples have availed themselves to, to listening to not just my podcast, but other podcasts on marriage. Mm. That's, that's, that's low hanging fruit today. You know, I yeah. mean, you can, you can sit in your own house, put your phone down in the middle of you and just listen to something you can. Yeah. That's you good. can again the, the beauty of road trips like let's use the road trip to listen to some podcasts on marriage. I mean, it, there's so much out there. Yeah, available. it's not all good stuff, but you know, yeah. there's <laughs> yes, true. There's plenty. There's plenty of good stuff to find. Uh, our couples need to avail themselves of that. Yeah. Okay. How does this affect the way we do premarital counseling? The way that uh, may, may, maybe some people are listening and they're 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 engaged or they're about to get engaged and they're thinking about how they need to put these, the right building blocks in place to build their marriage on. So how does fivefold intimacy speak to premarital counseling? Yeah, it, it, it really is um, such an essential part because most of the time, uh, again, these couples are coming in, they're looking forward to more of the physical sexual side, hopefully. Yeah. They've deferred some of uh, of that, um, but they're looking forward to that part. They're longing to be close, right? They're um, already, they have the passion and excitement about spending time together, talking together, you know, going deeper emotionally. So the, the pieces are typically there in, in most healthy uh, engagement periods. It's really helping them with a sense of, let's use those let's name them let's call them for what they are and let's make sure they're all connected to each other first in spiritual intimacy so i I see that i have to help my couples more in challenging them to be spiritually growing uh, with each other where up until this point they've been just spiritually independent if you will right they were having their own walk with christ now they're it's going to be interwoven um what does that walk look like walking together. Um, But you really have all the building blocks in premarital. I think it's more of, of naming it, um, letting them know the the pitfalls, Um, you know, again, even making those jokes about recreational intimacy, it's like, you're enjoying doing things that, you know, in a couple of years, you're going to say, I I never really, (laughs) I I really hate deer hunting. I don't want to go with you again when you act like you really love it right now. Um, So, you know, one when when I do spend more time uh, talking about recreational intimacy, I do talk about the whole point of recreational intimacy is doing things together because they draw you together. It's yeah. it, it's yes, finding things you both like, but you recognize it's so much better to do those things with your spouse than just with someone else. Uh, yeah, and so yeah, when, when you, all those things again are, are ready for them to act on it. I think it's just naming them and mm. helping them move forward and grow in them. Yeah. Now I feel like this also affects dating relationships because often what I've seen through the years is uh, I'll have, uh, maybe both people or one of the people who will, they'll come to me and say, Hey, uh, me and my boyfriend or me and my girlfriend, we slipped up and we had sex. Hmm. And, uh, upon asking further questions, you can see exactly how it led up to that moment. Uh, hmm. and not merely just with like, Oh, there was one tempting moment. There were a hmm. lot of other things that were happening where uh, they were beginning to act like a married couple already in some of these areas. And then it's kind of like, well, then, you know, passion flared up in this, the right time, the right place. So how, how do we actually use this fivefold intimacy understanding to help build healthy dating relationships while at the same time, making sure it's not a pseudo marriage? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. I, I think I, I reflect back. I remember one of my campus pastors uh, back when I was in college, 
he had this meeting with us before we went on a mission trip and he forbid the girls and guys um, breaking off and praying with each other. He said, guys would pray with guys, girls would pray with guys because girls would pray with girls because he said, if you regularly pray with a girl, you're going to become physical with that girl. And I never really understood that. I'm like, what is that? I'm just, you know, I don't even like yeah, this yeah. girl. But there was a point in, during in college that I started um, in another context praying with a girl that was uh, in our in our wing. We called it, and um, I started liking her. Like, what has yeah. happened here? It is the dynamic we're talking about. We're talking mm-hmm. about if if you are, are dating and you start praying together, you start talking about the deeper things of the Lord, being together. All that is great, but you have to be really cautious that it yeah. won't then turn quickly into physical intimacy. Same goes for the other ones. The more you hang out with each other, the more yeah. you talk together, the more you share your heart together. They're so interconnected. It kind of just proves the point that, yes, you want to be growing together in those, but you have to put safeguards and realize yeah. we can't be that intimate spiritually yet. We can't be that intimately um, uh, we can't be that emotional yes. yet we can't do that uh those things we have to put guardrails on it uh because again even in the best sense it, it would be great for a christian couple to be talking about the lord and sharing their life and doing all life but but be careful because it can grow yeah. into something that uh we are yes acting as a married couple because in our minds we're like we just what scripture says. We know each other so yeah, well yeah. that then suddenly you start physically knowing each other when you're not married and you can't do that. Oftentimes I've seen this happen where it, it, it comes on the heels of the the couple finally gets to the point where they, they show each other their dirty laundry. Right, right, and and that is it's it it is a precious moment whenever you do that, and the other person still embraces you, right. And in some ways, it's like that. It makes sense that it could certainly lead to that temptation. So there is the time where it's like, uh, you know, uh, some of that needs to wait for the engagement phase, and then even then, it's like you still even in the engagement phase, you want to keep on guard and. Um, those things. So I do think, I do think this whole area of all these different areas are really crucial uh, to help with that. Well, again, and that's why I would say it is so sad um, and grievous really that we have that, that good foundation and build up in, in a good dating and engagement period. And then when you actually get to consummate and and grow even deeper in all five areas we see couples quickly regress <laughs> we see yeah. couples quickly like very no, true this, that's right. this is the time to grow closer to each other and yet of course we know what happens sin happens uh hurts happen yeah. uh, offenses happen uh disappointments happen and people who kind of grow together start to then grow apart yeah. because they don't want to get hurt. It, it you yep. know, there's a lot of reasons for that, which is probably for another podcast. But yeah. um, uh, it, 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 the God's natural order of this progression from dating to engagement to marriage is, boy, marriage then for the rest of your life should be just a growing closer to one another and to Christ. Uh, yeah. That's that's the goal, and it so often doesn't happen that way. This I think brings us to a really really important point. The gospel is vital. Yes. Grace and forgiveness and the yes. sufficiency of Christ is vital. Yes. Um, because even in the marriage, you know, you can be pursuing these five areas and it's great. And then all of a sudden, uh, inevitably, you're going to sin against each other in some way. Yes. How, how, how do you encourage couples to keep coming back to the gospel of grace? Well, yeah, we always remember that the gospel begins with the bad news, and the bad news yeah. is you married a sinner. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter if he is the greatest guy or she's the greatest gal you've ever met or, or thought wonderful things, but you married a sinner, and two sinners are married to each other, and that's yeah. double. That's a double problem. So 
the bad news is we're sinners married to each other. And so we will hurt each other. We will fail each other. We will sin against one another. The gospel says there's Mm. always forgiveness available. There's always new grace, new opportunity, time to reconcile, restore. I mean, when you think about it, marriage is about a constant reconciling process. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because if you... If I hurt Marty's feelings this morning before she leaves the house or I leave the house and we don't deal with that, yeah. me in confession, her in forgiveness, then the closeness that we had before that moment of time just starts to separate a little bit. Yeah. And over time, more and more and more. And so the gospel is a, is a, is the ministry of reconciliation, right? as Paul yeah. describes, right? I, I, Marriage is the ministry of reconciliation. We're always reconciling to God and to each other. And if we don't see it that way, uh, one thing I always say is the the greatest killer of marriage is is, uh, self-righteousness. Because if we get to this place where we say, I've done everything, I'm doing the right thing, now he or she has to do more, Mm. then we're not pursuing intimacy. We are we are pursuing distance. We are running the other way. We are self-protective. And and boy, I see more and more couples that come to me so far away from each other. And yet on the surface, look like everything's fine. Yeah. But they they have been emotionally divorced a long time ago. Um, and because the mm. none of these five areas, there's any connection. Uh, so yeah, if we don't apply the gospel uh, to our marriage, and of course we should know it because we have to live the gospel every day. It's not yeah, it, it's yeah. not a, a a one-time thing when we get married when we get uh, saved, and it's certainly not a one-time thing when we say "I do" either. Yes, yeah, you're saying "I do" all the time. That's right. Yeah. And well, and I, I think I, that <clears throat> yeah, I think that gets back to talking about spiritual intimacy. This is this is why we have to be so immersed in the regular means of grace and, and attending a, a truly gospel centered church, because you can't apply the gospel if you don't know the gospel. That's right. And, and again, so many so many couples there's that even are in a gospel uh, church. Yeah. They, it's a, it's disconnected. It's yeah. not applied to their marriage. Uh, and. Again, I, I could regale you with stories of things of, of just fine Christian people that there's this disconnect that the gospel doesn't apply to marriage, and yeah. it's the first place it applies. Mm. So all this is great, incredibly helpful, so edifying, but here's a question. If this is just brand new for the way I'm, I'm it's just, this is just, you know, it's rocking my world. I'm like, I've never thought about marriage this way. Where in the world? Practically, where do I start? That's a great question. I, I think um, <clears throat> where all of this is connected um, it is you have to create time in your marriage. And I think if nothing else, um, whether you're a, the spiritual leader listening to this or whether you're the wife listening to this, it starts with. I've got to look, take a, a real clear look at our schedule and our time. Yeah, yeah, and say, yeah. Are we ha- are we even creating any opportunities to do any of this? Because you yeah. know, if if the first time we see each other in the day, practically speaking, is when we we jump in bed and we're about to turn off the the lights for the night and turn over and good night, good night. If that's it, there's no room for physical intimacy. There's certainly no room for mental and emotional intimacy built on conversation. Again, when do we do things together? And when are we talking about the Lord together in spiritual intimacy? The 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 first and foremost basic is you've got to create windows of time that are ours. Yeah. And you should be able to name them. You should be able to say, you know, for Marty and I, you know, we're we're going to spend the first 30 minutes of our day together. Um, most couples quite honestly don't because yeah. they don't, even, they don't even get out of bed at the same time in the morning, yeah. much less spend that time together. We're going to spend the last hour, hour and a half every night together. Most couples don't even go to bed at the same time. Yeah. It's like yeah. make a commitment to find those times where we're actually together and then we can work on those areas. And so that's to me the most basic uh, piece that so many people skip 
because we're just kind of frenetically living our lives, you know, yes. chasing, chasing the clock, chasing our kids, doing all these things and not saying, no, you know, it, it might sound a little bit like we're supposed to make marriage appointments throughout the day. And maybe it does. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing to say, yeah. make those blocks of time impenetrable that yeah. they're just there and they're ours to use in whatever way we choose. Yeah. Yeah. John, this is so helpful, man. I mean, there's just a plethora of questions that keep coming, keep coming up in my mind. And, uh, I mean, that might, might need to be a good part two to this. Uh, but I, 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 this is so helpful and I'm sure this is going to be really beneficial for our people. Um, so man, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything you want to add or just in general or. No, definitely, uh, having me back. I enjoyed it. Uh, uh, you know, overall, again, I would just say, um, you know, the the biggest hindrance to fivefold intimacy starts with us. It starts with our own hearts, yeah. our, our own weakness. Um, but you know, practically speaking, one of the biggest hindrances we've got today uh, is that little device we all carry around yes. called, called our smartphone, right? Yes. It is the great distractor. Uh, it is. I can't tell you how many couples that the the one spouse, I won't even name which one, is spending hours upon hours every evening uh, on social media. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? If you just spend half of that time or yeah. take an hour off, but boy, it sucks you in. And we we see it when we watch our teens and we, yeah. when we watch our, our kids. We don't see ourselves. And mm. so many couples don't see that that's one of the greatest op- modern obstacles to intimacy there is. Uh, because mm. what they're quite honestly is what are they doing? They're building intimacy with their online friends or their, or the things they're reading that there's where their connection emotionally, mentally, even spiritually is happening. So it's not happening with the person that's sitting there in front of them, sitting in their bed. Yes. Um, they're connected to everybody else. So there's, I, I hate to end on a negative, but I will end it with a warning. <laughs> watch, Look, that, watch that whole world in your yeah. <clears throat> that that was literally the question in my mind, and I'm looking at the clock, and I'm like, man, we don't have enough time. But I was thinking, I was like, that's exactly where I wanted to go. So I think that's part, gonna have part to be two. Part two, yes, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, that's huge. So, well, John, thank you so much, and. uh uh also i'll give this context for people i I always tell people um when i say you know one of my friends one of my buddies or one of my mentors uh it typically boils down to about three or four people in uh mississippi so uh so so that y'all know john is one of them so um now now you've heard his voice (laughs) um well john thanks so much for being on the gospel gazing podcast and we'll make definitely make sure to get you back on here thanks wilson always a joy to be with you